You are listening to Stream. Every bone in my body was like, you are not doing this, this is wrong. Keep the conversation going and remain top of mind. Challenges are not supposed to stop you. The priorities and the things that we value have entirely changed. What we think influences what we say and how we behave. Taking the first step will reveal the next step. We try and create tomorrow what didn't exist today. It's not going to be perfect. You have to just keep moving forward. Welcome to Stream. A platform where different streams of consciousness come together to share stories of struggles and success. I'm your host, Marisa Logan. This episode of Stream is brought to you by luxury sleep and loungewear brand Lena Lena. Now, internationally renowned businesswoman and author of 15 books, Ariana Huffington, wasn't wrong when she said, Rob yourself of sleep and you'll find you do not function at your personal best. I know so many of you can attest to this and how hard it's been to set boundaries while working remotely during this pandemic. Part of my nighttime regime to switch off, calm the mind and ease my body into a state of relaxation is to slip on my favorite pair of super soft, breathable Lena Lena PJs, light a candle and read. Now back to our chat with Jessica Clitter, where she shares how she landed her dream job during lockdown after years of hard grafting and dedication. So welcome today on the stream, Jessica. I'm so happy to have you here. And uh, before I hand over to you for a little introduction, the reason why I've gotten you um, on the show slash podcast today is because I really find it inspiring how you've gotten to where you are today. I mean, from an outsider, I've sort of just followed your journey lately and I've seen you Basically, after our chat, heard you've gone from advertising to life coaching to suddenly being a presenter on SABC. And um, it was fascinating to actually hear that, that it seemed like it happened overnight. Obviously, nothing really does. But today, I'd like to sort of discuss that more because there's a perception that at the age of 30, we all have to have our shit together and our career has to be pretty much established. And so when chatting to people like you, it's really refreshing to know that at the age of 30 or even older, you can still change careers and make a success out of it. So over to you, if you can just give our viewers and listeners just a bit of background career-wise and a sort of where you've come from and are today. Awesome. So thank you so much for having me. Um, and hi to the stream community. It's a massive honor to be here. Um, I've never done anything like this before, so I hope <laughs> I hope it's going to be okay. Um, yeah, so my name is Jace, and I am actually a Plosmasi, a far, small farm town girl from Bredostorp, uh, a small town in South Africa. Um, I grew up there, went to high school there, and um, kind of never knew what I wanted to do. Um, I was almost jealous of people who had the idea of, you know, uh, when I grow up, I want to be a teacher. When I grow up, I want to be a doctor. And these people were so convinced and they had their plans laid out in front of them. And it was really hard to not have that. So as some of us do, we just decided uh, to take a gap year, um, spend some time in London, which was amazing um, at the age of 18. Um, was probably supposed to be more responsible, probably supposed to save more money, but um, just ended up living my best life. Um, lucky enough to do that. And then I came back and decided to uh, study a BCom again, something very general and broad because I still had no idea what I wanted to do. But I knew that it would be a good base. And um, my dad always said to me that an education is something that belongs to you that no one will ever be able to take away. 
So I was like, cool, I am privileged enough and I have the support. So I'm going to take this opportunity and I'm going to do my absolute best. Um, my dad actually also gave me two, I wouldn't say ultimatums, but two kind of guidelines for my studies. Um, the first was that I had to pass every year without fail. Fair enough. And second was, yeah. And the second was that I had to get into honors. And I took both of those very seriously. Um, I think I was, even though I had a lot of fun at varsity, some of my friends are probably going to laugh at this anyway, um, I still studied really, really hard. And um, a very good friend of mine and I would study together all the time in our third year. Um, we'd go away for weekends and she like study weekends where her mom would like cook for us and have to kind of like break the door down to like get us out of the room just to like take a break. Um, and then she ended up getting in and I didn't. Um, and I think that that's probably one of the kind of monumental, um, I suppose, wake-up calls in my life. I don't know if I want to call it a failure. I suppose at that time I saw it as a failure. And I felt like I'd let my dad down and I felt like I let myself down. And I felt like, oh, you know, like, why can my friend do it? But I'm not able to. So, yeah, it was like a super emotional, like, big thing at that time. And I had a plan. My plan was to spend another year at university and that was it. And that was going to happen and it didn't. Um, so I then quickly had to like face the reality that I needed to go into like adult world and I needed to find a job and <laughs> I needed to get on with it. So um, I did an internship and managed to secure a, a full-time job after that internship in my third year. I worked there, it was a, a food franchise company. I worked there for a year in the marketing department and decided it wasn't for me. And at that point in time, I actually started getting this little weird voice in the back of my mind saying, why don't you go study psychology? And I have no idea where this voice comes from. I don't even know whose voice it is, but it's just in the back of my mind. And so I spoke to my dad and I was like, I don't know why, but I feel like I really need to go and do this. Is there, you know, an opportunity? Is it possible? And my dad was like, no, I just paid for a whole degree. <laughs> you haven't even like worked that one off. Like you've tried one job, like, no, go, go work, go make money. Like go use this degree that you've gotten. And so I took up a second job, which was in customer support uh, for an international stock photography company. Learned a lot there, made amazing people there as well. But yeah, not really my passion to be sitting behind a computer and answering questions about which image should I choose. So after about a year, again, I was like, I'm going to do the psychology thing. And I actually took the step to get in contact with UNISA to apply. I was going to somehow, I don't know how, try and pay for it along like, by myself with the help of my parents. I don't think I'd even told my dad. I think my mom had helped me with all of this. And then I applied and I got in. And then I was like, okay, dad. So I got in to go study psychology, um, to go do this full time again. And he was like, are you joking? Like, no, like I still can't <laughs> pay for you to do another degree. Like, can you pay for it? No, I can't pay for it. So he was like, what about advertising? You haven't tried that yet. I was like, okay, fine. I'll try it. And I actually, I remember it was the 24th of September, which is Heritage Day, 2013. 
I was the only person at work at the stock photography company because it's international. So we have to have someone there. And I sat there and I was like, I'm done. I'm going to find a different job. I'm going to be happier. I'm not happy at the moment. And I sent my CV out to probably about 50 advertising agencies in Cape Town, just being like, hi, my name's Jace. Um, I'm not sure if you're looking for anyone at the moment, but I'd love to come for coffee and introduce myself. Here's my, my little one pager. Here's all of my CV stuff. I don't know. <laughs> I was on the green committee at Marais. <laughs> Can I come for coffee? <laughs> um, and I'm just hoping that someone would buy it. And so I actually ended up going for about five interviews, of which one of them was at Derek, Integrated Communications. The MD and I immediately clicked and he offered me the job. And by November, I was in advertising. Again, not knowing anything. Like I literally didn't even know what a brief was. I didn't know what a cost estimate was. I didn't even like know what my title meant. All I knew is that I had this amazing new opportunity at this really cool, like modern, cool advertising agency. And like, I just remember everything being so cool. And I was like 23 years old, which now sounds so young, um, probably because I was so young then. Um, and yeah, and I, I built really amazing relationships there, not only with my bosses and my colleagues, but also with my clients and I, yeah, I learned a lot about myself there. I was given a lot of opportunity there. Um, they allowed me to study. They invested in, in my studies in further education, doing like media studies and digital media studies, like Word in Yellow and AAA, all while working full time though. Yeah, so that was kind of my last real adult job. And then to kind of, I think, understand how I am where I am today is to just say that you were talking about the overnight success thing. And I was thinking I was actually wanting to do a social media post and be like, I'm an overnight success, said no one ever, you know. <laughs> I've always been someone who has somehow made the time to do the things that I love. Um, and even though I loved my job and that kept me really busy, there were other things that like sparked my interest. And it wasn't necessarily things that I thought was going to be a career or was going to make money or it was just things that like fulfilled me as a person. So as an example, um, I was part of the team that did the avant-garden event, which was an event that helped, basically it helped support young creatives in Cape Town to network and to find potential investors and to like showcase their work. Um, so we did that after hours. I mentioned earlier that I studied at Red and Yellow and AAA. My friend and I started a charity called Do Good, and we ran our, our sprinkling campaign at Rocking the Daisies, where we collected over 12,500 items of clothing. And yeah, so I just I started like this really awesome networking event called the Anti-Click, uh, where we had like three or four test events, and it might be something that I, I might bring back again at a stage. It was like, oh, it's really fun. So always like kind of doing things on the side and um, eventually it was in 2018 um, that that little psychology voice came knocking at the door again and I was like, okay, this time I'm really doing it. I'm like, I've got a job, I've got a good salary, my bosses are super supportive, like if I have to do this part time, I can do it, here I go. 
I went and visited Seca and they explained to me how it works and how much it costs and how much time I'm going to have to put into it and what the extent of doing a psychology degree is. And one of the questions that the support lady actually asked me was, are you sure that it is what you think it is? That psychology or being a psychologist isn't necessarily just this idea that you have of television of someone lying yes. on a nice long leather sofa and chatting to their worry auntie. And I was like, well, like I've been to a couple of psychologists and I think that's like, that's probably my closest frame of reference. But I do understand that there's like a lot of other things that, that comes with that and you can't necessarily, well, you can't control what's going on in your patient's lives. And they might come to you with really hectic stuff, like really, really hectic stuff. And you need to, be prepared and you need to be willing to to hold that space for them. And that kind of like actually freaked me out a bit when I started thinking of like actually doing it. And she was like, well, whoa, like we have amazing um, coaching courses as well. And so in coaching or in, in life coaching, you don't really deal with pathologies as much. You basically work from the present and move very positively towards the future. And that's something that really spoke to me. I really love motivating my friends. I really like kind of cheering them on, but also like not taking the nonsense and their excuses. Like one of the things I always say to my friends, like when they're complaining about anything, I'm like, have you done something about it? Have you actually done something about it or are you just complaining about it? Because you can complain if you try to change it or if you've tried to do something about it. But if you haven't, then I don't want to hear it. And they actually like, they know this about me already. They don't, they don't complain <laughs> around me. <laughs> so yeah. So I was like, cool, I'll do coaching. I'll do my, my five month coach practitioner course, which was incredible. I was really good at it. I really enjoyed it. Um, I again, met amazing people on the course. Um, and I was like, this is what I want to do. This is, I'm definitely going to do this but I need to pay my bills and I don't know if I have the confidence and the kind of networks to like start a new business. So maybe I'll just start it on the side, take it slow, get a couple of clients here and there, etc. Then I got engaged and I was planning a wedding and that took um, priority basically over anything else in my life. We basically had like a week long wedding celebration, which was fabulous. But also a relief when it was over. And yeah, so that's kind of how my coaching, how coaching came into my life. And that kind of went into a little bit of a pause with the wedding and, and whatnot. And so again, back to the fact that I like doing things in my spare time and my weekends and my evenings. I also really loved cooking. And a friend of mine had just launched her new business, Salt and Sage. And they do interactive cooking classes and private catering events at the Kitchen Collective, which is their new like industrial space. And I was like, I can do this. Like, this would be fun to like learn more about food and to learn new recipes and to work with like people in the evenings. Um, I always said that like it was never. It's not really work. Like, you get to like drink wine and meet cool people and eat awesome food. And so I started doing that in the evenings. Um, so I'd literally like go to work at half past eight, finish at five. And then quickly like rush over to the kitchen, get changed into my apron and my and my chef jacket, and like cool guys, cool. What do we think? Is it Italian night? Is it Moroccan night? Like let's go, awesome. 
And then I'd be there until like nine or ten at night and then wrap up, clean up, say goodbye, get home. Yeah, and so my, my kind of passion for, for food and cooking kind of really came to life there. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm talking so – this is a long story, but – no, 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 it's good. Because, but it is, leading, it is leading up to the next question. It's a, yeah, it just feels like, it feels like a really long monologue around my mouth. Um, anyway, uh, so, yeah, so that's kind of how, how coaching came into my life and how cooking came into my life. And at the beginning of 2020, um, I actually, my kind of New Year's resolution, if you want to call it that, or like my my mantra for the year was that I was, I was going to cook my heart out and I had no idea what that was going to look like. And I had no idea whether it was going to work, whether financially I would be able to do it, but I was like, I'm putting it out into the universe and I know that what is meant to be will come back to me. And so I actually said it in a meeting um, at the kitchen collective I was then approached to say that they might have a position for me um, to join the team, which was super exciting because it was like a dream come true at that stage. And I resigned my job on the 31st of January after working at Derek for almost seven years, which was heartbreaking. It was like leave. It was like, yeah, it was like breaking up with a family and like you don't break up with family. So it felt I was going to get like all emotional about it actually. Like it felt like I was betraying them almost um, after everything they'd done for me. And it felt like I was going into this, you know, when they asked me like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I'm going to go work in a kitchen. And they were like, huh? What? what? Yeah, where's that? Exactly. <laughs> um, and it's so, so funny actually, because I'd always said to, to Miles, I'd always said to him that if I leave one day, it will be because I found what I really love doing. I will never leave you, the collective you as Derek. I will never leave you to go work at another advertising agency. I promise you that. And wow. the day that I resigned, I said to him, I was like, Miles, I'm leaving because I found what I really want to do. Like eventually, after being here for seven years and trying so many different projects and studying so many different things, this is it. Like I know now eventually starting here at 23 and now being 29, I eventually know this is it. And he's super supportive as usual. So with my other, my other bosses, Mark and Livio. Yeah. And so I resigned and I gave them two months notice and then COVID came into our lives, which no one had foreseen. And it was all just really like really weird and almost like a movie and yeah and my new job was no longer there um which is perfectly understandable everyone knows what's happening in, in the hospitality and food industry my old job was kind of also no longer there even though they were incredible and still supported me um or extended my my resignation time on by by a month and a half which i was really really lucky to have um but I kind of was in a position then where we were in, in the hard lockdown. My new job wasn't there. My old job was I was running out of time. Um, and I needed to, to obviously come up with a new way to support myself. And, well, I had to start a new life, basically. All of the excuses that I used to not start my coaching business, like I don't have time or I don't have 
the confidence or I don't have this or that or whatever. I kind of just had to leave. You know that meme where like they like go like this and they like knock all the TikTok things and they like knock all the things out the way. Like yeah. that was literally what I had to do. Like I had to knock everything out of the way and to be like, I'm starting this coaching business because I'm good at it. I have been educated in it. And the only way that you're going to become a better coach is to coach. Yes. So I decided I'm going to do it. I reached out, did a like random photo shoot with my friends, Billy, who's a photographer, my friend Benedine, who's a stylist, reached out to my friend Eden, who's a designer, reached out to my friend George, who's a website developer, and connected and reached out to just like everyone that I've met in my in my all my advertising years literally and I was like I'm willing to pay you I don't have a lot but like can we work something out and at the end of the day what all of them ended up saying to me was like Jess you've invested so much in us and you have been such a pleasure to work with that we're doing this for you for free because you deserve That's it amazing. and because you found your passion your dream and we want to support you and we know that if we do support you now, that it will also come back to us in a different way again one day. That's incredible. And in terms of timings, when was this? Was this also just, this was COVID, right? COVID happened, you had this. It was hard lockdown. And I was literally in those five weeks, I did the shoot because I I was lucky enough to be in lockdown with these two friends who happened to be a photographer and a stylist. And we literally just scratched in our bags, whatever we packed in. Um, and yeah, so like in these five weeks, I've done the shoots. I got my web, my website's not live yet, but it, it's coming. Um, it's actually just waiting for me to check it. I just haven't had time because of. All oh, right, so it might be live when this goes <laughs> live. <laughs> so 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 then I launched Jessica Kids Coaching um, during COVID, which was really exciting and had actually been a long time coming. And I'd actually started investing in that in 2018 already. And only by the time that I got now to 2020 has it actually really happened. I think the way that some people think things are supposed to happen, you know, you're supposed to have an Instagram page, you're supposed to have a website, you're supposed to, supposed to. So all of my supposed to's are now only happening two years later, basically. Yeah. And so, so that's like my, my coaching side of things. And then the other real big moment for me during lockdown is the fact that I have now become a TV presenter on a cooking show called Space Scott on SABC2, which gets seen by 1.5 million people. <laughs> and uh, that is like the most fascinating thing for me because you come from your sort of background and career, similar to a lot of friends of mine, a lot of people in marketing and advertising. And so many of us have had the discussion when we were in our 20, like from 25 to 30, like what else is out there? What other purpose is there? What else can I do? But you almost feel so set in your ways that, you know, you've had this experience, you don't want to start from scratch. And you've gone from that to starting from scratch life coaching at the age or starting 28, 29. And then suddenly something like completely that you'd never I don't know maybe you you did have this in on your manifestations and your dreams but then this other career comes about and you land up on television and that's sort of where I entered into in this COVID period I started following you on social media little did I know our connections and friends etc just from a career point of view, just looking at where you were at and life coaching, and then suddenly you were doing these promos for, oh, I'm a presenter on Space Guard for Tuesdays. And I was like, wow, <laughs> like you've got your shit together. You've got like 
either this has been coming for a long time and then after our discussion, I was so shocked to know that it's, it gives us so much inspiration and hope to know that you don't need to have your whole career path figured out and you can go and land and you're one of the pretty much the only people I know who landed a job in COVID period. Like I know people who pivoted or changed their sort of business model, but you've landed a job and you've landed a job as a presenter. And to top it all, it's like, yes, and to top it off, it looks like you've been doing it for years. So that, it was always a shock to me. So it is, it's very awesome. But yeah, if, if you can continue and just let us know, like, how did you get this dream job during COVID with no presenter background. Yeah, so it's, and I mean, it comes it comes back to our kind of, I suppose, golden thread that I've just picked up in this interview is that like becoming an overnight success doesn't exist. Like you have to put in the time and you have to build the relationships and you have to represent yourself in such a way that you make yourself unforgettable to people in the best ways possible. And so what had actually happened, and I'll be, I'll be posting on social about that on Saturday, is an, another show that I actually took part in um, as a competition cooking reality show, which is really exciting. And so, yeah, so we took part in this cooking show, which was uh, shot in our homes while we were like on break or like we were waiting for something to happen. The producer actually approached me and she was like, you actually look really cool on camera and your Afrikaans is actually not bad we're looking for a new presenter. Would you like to come and audition? And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> what? And they're all like asking me, like, do you know Space God? Have you heard of it? And I'm like, I don't know anyone who watches SCBC anymore. Like, I just, I just don't. They were actually like, well, it's like actually like 1.5 million people still watch it. And I was like, okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. And now actually that the show is live, I've realized how many people – I know, still watch SABC for the like, really? random messages and things that I've been getting. Anyway, so they were like, we think you should come and audition. And that was like, oof, really scary. And they were like, you have to like prepare like a, like a couple of like, like a recipe, not a recipe, but like cooking actions that you can do while you're chatting and da, da, da. So I went for that audition. When did the lockdown start? Was it a Thursday? Yeah, it was a Thursday, 27th of Thursday. March. I think I went for my audition on the Tuesday or the Wednesday before that lockdown. Yeah, and then it was lockdown, and I was like, well, I haven't heard anything back. Life goes on. Da, 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 da. Then when we moved down a phase of lockdown, my husband, who also owns a food business, was able to come back so that they could start doing food deliveries. And we were in the car driving back to Cape Town when the producer, actually no, it was the production manager, got in touch with me and she was like so we actually really liked your audition and the SABC liked your audition so we want to do like a test episode with you and I was like she's like are you in Cape Town and I was like you won't believe it but I'm actually in the car on my way back to Cape Town and uh yeah the rest is kind of history we did a test episode and then we did just kept on doing more episodes and um, yeah, and I'm now a presenter and I do the recipe development and I'm meeting incredible guests on the show who are cooking with me and I love it. And it's, it's super strange. And I have to like keep reminding myself that I, I'd always like you, you envision things, you envision this life like, Oh, I don't know. You see like all of these things on Instagram, work from anywhere, be your own boss, blah, blah, blah. 
And then once things start realizing and once things actually start happening, we don't take the moment to acknowledge them and be like, you did it. You are actually living it. Like stop racing towards the next thing and the next thing and stop planning and planning because everything that's happened in my life up until now, none of it was the route that I thought I was going to take. None of it. Uh, I didn't know that I wanted to become a doctor. I didn't go study at medical school and then become a doctor and then become a surgeon. And then that was my life. I had no idea what I wanted to do. And all along the way, the only decisions that I made, decisions that made me happy at that point in time. And because I followed things that made me happy in that point in time, they led me towards the right people, which is what I was saying is really important to build the right relationships with people and to maintain the right reputation with people because further along down the line, those people are going to be the ones helping you on your journey and vice versa as well. I love that. And, and what you said now, it's even a reminder to me who I've worked for myself for now going on eight years, but this year was the first time that I started an independent journey with no business partners, with no team, with no sort of definitely a support structure because like you say those people around you and friends and old colleagues etc they've definitely helped me and supported me but this is my first journey solo and I am so hard on myself that you don't stop to go this is what I've wanted all my life this is what I've wanted to get to is to have control over my own time to be in a be my own boss and I think a lot of people are experiencing it particularly during this time because if you've been your own boss, you go through these phases and yes, there's the honeymoon phase and everything's great and you feel on top of the world for, for running your own show. But then at the same time, you get these emotions of like need to do more, need to need to basically build this brand, to monetize it, to then the stress factor starts. And then if you've had to do this all during COVID, it's I think I've spoken to a lot of people who we hardly stop to take it in. In fact, I was listening to good old Oprah and she was doing a um, interview where she was saying this, everything that's happened now is kind of forcing us to slow down our lives and slow down the pace that we're going. But yet so many people that I know, including myself, I'm picking up the pace, I'm chasing. And then something like that we briefly spoke about now is like the president's speech and even more restrictions lifting till the 15th of August. It's kind of another, it's like another reminder to stop trying to control and to embrace that uncertainty and to take it easy. But it's, a, yo, it's like it's an emotional roller coaster. I think at the beginning of this whole COVID story as well, for a lot of people in their careers, sort of could mentally prepare or you could uh, talk yourself through the stages of, you know, you're going through a bit of a tough time and you motivate yourself. But to do that constantly for four months is so draining. Obviously, it's going to have its ups and downs. And that's why I find it so refreshing chatting to you where your career is a complete, like you entered basically lockdown with no job and you've landed a dream job. Not that I'm saying that it's so easy, you know, and, and that you were lucky because you by no means were lucky. You worked really hard. And in fact, your downtime last year where you were putting in extra hours just for cooking and following a passion led to this. So it's super, super inspiring. And my actual um, next question was, at what point, I know you said you sort of made the, you always change, or your decisions were based on being happy at the, at the time. But was there a certain point within your sort of 
six years of advertising that you felt like this, I need a change. Were there like pivotal moments that you experienced that you knew you wanted to change career-wise? Or did you just always have a feeling that the industry wasn't quite what you wanted to be in for the rest of your life? So I knew from the beginning that advertising wasn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Um, I was like not particularly passionate about the, the work itself. Um, but I was very passionate about the company that I was working for and um, the people that I were working with, the clients and the brands that I worked with. And my dad always says, like, don't, don't, don't leave plan A until you've got, like, a better plan B kind of thing. And so my dad's, like, to- like very risk averse, which is something that I think I've also inherited um, to, be, to play things quite safe, which I think is probably why I also stayed at, at the agency for almost seven years being too afraid almost to to leave that security, to leave that good salary, um, to leave people who I knew who were my family um, and having to go out and do it on my own. And I think the moment that I, that I probably knew that I was ready to leave was when I'd find myself in the kitchen at half past nine at night and I'd be carrying someone else's dirty dishes as a 29-year-old who's a senior client service person in an advertising agency working with huge brands. And here I am carrying your dirty dessert plates to the kitchen and helping the scholars. And I was like, I'm happy. <laughs> and that, As simple as that. That's, that's what life is about. If you're not happy then why? Why are you in that job? Why are you in that relationship? Why are you putting that food into your body if it doesn't make you happy? Like, mayonnaise makes me happy. I'm, it's not the best thing for me, and I'm not going to eat a tub of it, but I'm never going to cut mayonnaise out of my life. It makes me happy. <laughs> and that is, that, that is what life is about. Like, if there is an opportunity one day when I've passed and wherever it is that I go to, for me to ask the question, I want to figure out why was life made in such a way that it can be so short and so long at the same time that you have to plan as if you can live until you're 80, but you also have to live as if you could die tomorrow. And how do you find the balance in doing that? And the only way to do that is to just try and be happy in whatever decisions you're making, whether they are for tomorrow or whether they are for 80 years from now, just try and make decisions that will make sure that you're happy. Mm. Yeah, that's powerful. And I think that's that's something that we definitely have in common and that I've also did the hard graft in PR for many years. And from the beginning, from the age of 20, when I started in the industry, I knew it didn't fulfill me, but I knew that, you know, it was all I knew. So I wasn't going to change careers immediately. And it was exactly that attitude of when I got times, and there were a lot of times that I used to cry at night, hating my industry, but stuck through, worked in England and London where it was very cutthroat. And only till the point where it was like on the edge where I knew mentally I was now testing the waters too much in terms of being unhappy that my happiness took priority and I made changes. And to this day, I can actually pinpoint those moments in my career and it was always based on a happiness decision and it is hard it's always easier to say it and and I feel like even just listening to your story it's 
admirable to listen to because you you kind of feel like you made changes and all those changes worked out and when you're in that scenario you don't know because you're unhappy but then you don't know am I unhappy and gonna am I gonna be a quit and a failure if am I giving up too soon and and I think that's why just to tie back into coaching as well I think that's what's become so amazing through in 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 the era that we're living in is that like coaching therapy guidance all of that is so accessible and I 100% know that not only therapists and and sort of psychologists and psychiatrists that I've seen in the past have helped me but um, friends and support system and the more we talk about it the more we have that support and the more we get guidance we we got we know we're on the right path because we've got we're doing the work but yeah that it's very it's very admirable to hear your story. I wanted to actually ask you if there was a, I know the word failure comes across as very negative and, and personally, I like to see certain things that I've done in my life as a, as a failure, but not as a regret. So in, in just in terms of where I'm coming from the, with the question is when I say failure, I don't mean it as a, as a negative, I see it as a learning. So do you feel that there was a particular failure that you had to have experienced to set you up to the success that you've achieved today? Hmm. So many like moments running through my mind. I think definitely the, the honors thing that I mentioned earlier and not getting into honors was to me was like, it almost like came out of nowhere. I was like fully convinced that it was going to happen for me. And then it didn't. And that honestly made me feel like probably the biggest failure ever, not just for like the amount of work that I put in, but the fact that, that I thought that was my dad's ultimate expectation for me even though he totally like recognized the amount of work that I put in. He was like, that's good. Like, I know you've worked hard enough. Like in fact, like he wanted to go like fight the university for it kind of thing, you know, and comparing myself to my friend who had gotten in. Um, and I was like, but we studied equally. Like that's not fair. And the lesson that I learned from it now is that if I had continued on another year at university, there's no way that my career would have taken the path that it did. And I would not have ended up, to where I am now so I think sometimes you just need to like if things don't work out the way you want them to like you just need to let it go because it wasn't meant for you it wasn't meant for your path and and it sucks and you're allowed to be sad about it or cry about it or be disappointed about it because that's fine but then you need to and this is like my personality but then you need to pick yourself up and you need to get on with it because no one else is going to do it for you so yeah so yeah I mean lots of things that are like disappointing or didn't work out or or yeah, I don't know. I think that's, that was probably like one of the biggest ones. But I, I tend to not go through life looking back. I tend to like look forward in general. And like I don't really what, – what's the word? Waddle. Oh, not waddle. <laughs> I, I don't tend to like sit in the negativity and sit in the disappointments and sit in the failures and, you know, shift the blame and all of that kind of – like just like I try to let it go and move on. And it, that's probably not as healthy – because I, there's probably a lot of stuff that I should deal with that I've just shifted um, in order to move on. But yeah, but that's, I mean, we're all work in progresses, right? And and we'll all get there. I'll deal with that baggage someday. But but yeah, it's, to me, it's more important to like just live my life and to like go on and, and be happy. Awesome. And then if success is defined by having purpose, what would you say your purpose is? I think that's, Ultimately, 
it's all of our purpose to create a space, to create, to be a person that brings happiness and joy to others and to make life, like just to make life lucker, be a lucker person, be lucky to be around, try and have, like if you can, like, and this like aligns very much with our charity. Um, mine, sorry, Liesl is my, my co-founder um, called Do Good. And like, we believe that, well, our, our names, like our slogans, like do good, feel good. And that's just like what we believe. Like if, if, if all of us do a small bit, we can change a lot. If every single person you walk past tomorrow gave you a smile, your day would be so much better. If we were allowed to hug and every person you walk past gave you a hug and said, I hope you're having a beautiful, awesome, kick-ass day, your day would be so much better. And so, yeah, so that's what I think my purpose is, is to try and make someone else's every day to make everyone else's days around me better because of something that I did or said or offered. So yeah. Awesome. And then just on that note, before I ask you the last question, how can people get involved with the charity or partake or is there anything coming up where they can also contribute to the do good charity? Cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, so like I said, Liesl Franken is the co-founder. She is actually the machine on the ground. She is the visionary but we always say that Liesl is like this and then she has all these ideas and then I come and I say, okay, 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 let's just get in lane <laughs> and just organize it a little bit. Yeah, um, so Liesl's actually just like kicked off this amazing campaign with a, with a couple of partners actually in the Overstrand area, um, Conspire, um, Stanford, that kind of side of the world. Um, and they are making masks. So Liesl's a stylist and she obviously production was all stopped. So she didn't have a job. So she went home to conspire to her parents and discovered that there is a factory that normally makes mosquito nets that has ladies who were at that stage unemployed or obviously because of COVID couldn't work. And they have sewing machines. And she was like, well, let's make masks. People need masks. And she went and applied for grants and she got like everyone that she knows to give us some money. And she started making masks and handing them out for free. And we partnered up with some amazing partners who, between the lots of us, I think we've now donated 8,000 masks already to the area. And our goal is to donate 10,000. If you want to get involved, we have a, uh, a Back Buddy account or, or campaign um, called Buy to Donate. And our handle is Do Good Africa on Instagram and on Facebook. Oh, and then we, we decided that we wanted, like, again, keeping with our whole, like, do good, feel good. Like, we like doing fun stuff. We were like, instead of just asking people for money, like we want to give them something back to at least like have a bit of fun. And so we're getting like random prizes all the time. We've had some amazing like creation wine and we just had a poetry voucher. And next one coming up is a nice lacquer. I think it's like a 2000 Rand Woolies voucher. Um, so all you need to oh, do wow. is buy like a 50, 50 Rand raffle and then you can go in and maybe win a, a lacquer voucher. That's awesome. Yeah. And then I'm going to end up with a, obviously it has to be a little bit of a deep Oprah yeah. quote, but um so I'm going to read the quote to you, and I just wanted to know if you were to hear this or you hear this now on the pursuit to your dreams, what sort of impact it has. And that is basically an interview that Oprah did, and she said that people fail when they chase dreams that are not meant for them. So if you were to hear that or if you hear that now, a bit of advice that you would give to anyone on their pursuit um, to their dreams cool so it's really like two two ways of like answering that or like two things that I'd like to share and the one is like everything you do 
ask yourself, is this contributing to my future happiness? Every decision you make, every conversation you have, relationship you choose, like if, is it, is it contributing to my future happiness? And then the other question that I really love to work with, and I use this on myself a lot, is what would your future self say? Is your future self going to look back and say, Aish, don't know why you decided to make that decision? Or is your future self going to look back and say, it's okay, you tried it, you wanted to in the moment, or is your future self going to be like, yay, I'm so happy you did that. So, yeah, so those are my two things that I would say is, is ask yourself, is it contributing to my future happiness, which comes back to your purpose and your values, or you can ask yourself, what would your future self say? Thanks so much for your time and for sharing your story. And I am sure I'm not the only one um, who cannot wait to see your venture in presenting. So far, it's been awesome to watch the show. And for everyone, it's on Tuesdays, Space Guard, SABC 2 at 7. Thanks so much. And it was lovely chatting. Yes, we'll catch up soon again. Thanks for listening to this episode of Stream, sponsored by Lena Lena Luxury Sleepwear. Small batches of limited editions locally and ethically produced in SA. Browse their beautiful range at www.linalina.co.za and get yourself a set to transform your stressful day into a peaceful night's sleep.